0: Indeed, what a, a pleasure it is to be here it 's good to be home it 's always good to be home and it made me feel like I was home as well because Pastor Rachel gave me a bottle to come up with, which is great, and I noticed it didn 't have a label on now that 's possibly because you don 't want any product placement on the uh, on the videos you know but for me, it was special because one of the things i 'm doing at the moment in in my actually taking a sort of part-time job is I go into the high school and I invigilate their exams. So there'll be 160 kids there and I go round and make sure none of them have labels on their bottles in case there's anything cheating on it. So I thought, oh, she's making sure I've got nothing to cheat with. It's a really important job. All the kids in the country take exactly the same exams at exactly the same time, if you can imagine it. So they're not just marked against the high school. They're marked all against the whole country. Amen. Isn't it good to know that our mark has been already passed in Jesus Christ? Amen. Wow. Did Did you get a jump in there? That's the way. Oh, isn't God good? You know, we serve a God of covenant. Do you know that? God makes covenants, and in Deuteronomy 28, he made a covenant, and it was a real simple covenant. He said, I am going to do you real good, and all you have to do is obey me and walk in righteousness. Amen. What an amazing covenant. There's a bit of a challenge in it, because no one's ever succeeded in doing, actually it's over here, isn't it? No one's ever succeeded in doing their part no one's ever been able to be righteous enough to meet their part of God's covenant. Amen. Now, it's no fault on God's side. You know that. It's all on ours. But do you know what he did? He said, I've got a solution to this. I am going to be your righteousness. In Jesus Christ, I am your righteousness. Righteousness. I have paid the price, not just wiping it away, but I've made you righteous. Amen. Do you go you grab hold of it? He has brought us into the fullness of the covenant. Just look at some of the things he's done. Through Christ, we are new creations. Amen. Anyone out there who's a new creation? I'll oh, praise God, 17 of you, any more, any more. He has reconciled man to himself. I'm reconciled to God. Through Christ, he has qualified us to be righteous. He's made us complete in him. We're lacking no good thing. We have everything for life and godliness. Amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Through Christ, we are more than conquerors. Anyone more than a conqueror? Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Still just 17. We're going there. We are displaying to the powers and principalities the wisdom of God. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Grab hold of it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? We are heirs to the kingdom of God. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God's promises are not just to bless you. Not just to give you a real nice feeling. It's actually not just to give you a portion of the kingdom. Grab hold of this there was a girl dancing and she pleased King Herod and he said, you know what? I'll give you anything you want up to half the kingdom. Our God doesn't offer a half a kingdom. He has said, I've given you the kingdom. It's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now the kingdom is not a piece of land. The kingdom is where the king rules. And He has given us joint airship with the King. Amen. He has put the King in us. He hasn't given us half a King. He's given us all of the King. The whole of the kingdom lives in us. Amen. Amen. Are those 17 people agreeing with me still? Are you accepting that you have the whole of the kingdom in you? Amen. 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 However, when we measure God's promises against our experience, has anyone ever noticed there's something you might call a gulf of unbelief? You know, okay? And what we sometimes do is we start adjusting. I'm not going to know, I believe God's Word, but I'm going to interpret so it meets my experience. You know, I'm going to get this gulf a bit smaller by interpreting His Word to meet my experience. His intention is that our experience comes up to his word. Amen. Are we willing? Are we willing to believe God on his terms? Pastor Wayne was shocked when he saw the size of my notebook. There's only 69 pages in it. Oh, you know, it's by grace that he saved us. It's by God's grace that he's made us righteous. It's by God's grace that he has sanctified us. It's by God's grace that he has redeemed us. Aren't they long words? Are they long words? Does anyone use the word sanctified more than 17 times in a day? Probably not. This is what he's done for you and for me. He has made us right with God. Actually, I got the wrong word there. He has set us right with God. He has set us apart for God. And he has set us free to serve God. Amen? Why don't we say that together? He has set me right with God. He has set me right with God. He has set me apart for God. Set me apart for God. And he has set me free to serve God. Amen. Do you know you have just declared that you are the wisdom of Christ? His wisdom is in you. Oh Wow. You know, it's illogical for us to just to look and say, I've been saved by grace, and then try and do stuff on our own. His grace is the power for us to be able to achieve because he is in us. He has given us the fullness of God. Amen? He's already given us, our spirit man is fully in Christ. And Christ is fully in us. Amen, we need to grab hold of that because he is filling us with his life, his inheritance. He has given us an inheritance that is the fullness of the kingdom. Grab hold of that. Do you know? just put your hand up in the air right now and say, I'm grabbing hold of the fact that the inheritance I have is the fullness of the kingdom. Bring it in. Amen. It's yours. Could you imagine yourself suddenly becoming the heir of... Has anyone seen Downton Abbey? Anyone seen Downton Abbey? Less than the 17. Well, Downton Abbey is a story, but there's more than that, isn't he? Just not admitting it. You know, it's all about one of those big stately homes. Have you ever seen our stately homes that we have in England? You know, could you imagine that one day somebody knocks on your door and says you have just inherited a stately home? You are now the owner of that stately home. And what do you do? You don't believe it. They say, no, come along, come along. Could you imagine? You now own a stately home. Every room, every part of that stately home is your inheritance. Could you imagine the man that comes now owning the stately home? You know that big staircase that goes all the way up? And yet he sits in the hallway. He has his food in the hallway. He sleeps in the hallway. Because he doesn't really believe it's his. Can you imagine that he thinks he's just a visitor even though he has an inheritance? And when you visit our stately homes, they give you a little guidebook. And can you imagine you own the place and you open the guidebook and you spend your time reading about what's in the drawing room and the dining room and the kitchen. And you know all the pictures, you know all about it because it's in the guidebook, but you've never entered any of the rooms. Has anyone ever been there that I know about God? I know all about him. I know him well by what I've read, but I've never really been in the rooms because I don't believe I'm really, really, really worth it. I don't believe. I know he says I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ, but I really, actually, I'm not sure I believe it. But I'll keep reading them, and, and, and I'll understand it, and I'll be able to tell other people about what righteousness means. The Lord gave me this picture a little while ago, and... It was a sort of funny one because I I shared something like that one, one Sunday morning. And then the next week I came back and I said, as I was just praying about it, I started looking at the doors in this house. And on each of the doors, I began to see there was a name. And each of the doors had the name of God on them. A different name of God. And I saw 40 doors with 40 different names of God. And you know, every one of those names of God that we find in here is speaking of a truth. And we can know it, but He wants us to come on in. He said, I'm inviting you in. He said, it's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hey. He's not saying, oh, I have a bit of it. He's saying, it's my pleasure. Well God is pleased to give you the kingdom. Let's have a look at some of what those doors might be. That door up there, do you see it? On the second landing? It says, the Lord God of truth. I wonder what we see in there. Perhaps we could go in later and have a look. The Lord God Almighty. The Lord my shepherd. I know all about it. I've read about it. But he's saying, come on in and meet me. Come in and meet me as the Lord your shepherd. Come in and meet me as your redeemer. Come in and meet me as your saviour. Come in and meet me. Don't just know about me. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. And I was excited personally about doing that. Then I saw one of the doors and I realized that that was a door that I'd found it very difficult to enter. And I want to share about entering that door with you today funny thing is I've got 68 pages of notes and this one's handwritten (laughs) the door said father I'm not sure I was really up for this last Wednesday it was my brother-in-law's funeral And I sat there at the reception afterwards, sitting next to my brother. And he said something to me, and I realized that we had not spoken about my father's death for 60 years. In fact, I'd never spoken to my my brother about my father's death. And he said, you know, I've never spoken to anyone about my father's death. And I started to share with him the memory that I had about being told of my father's death. I said, I remember sitting at the table with my mother and my sisters and my, and you know, obviously him. And I said, the tablecloth, and he said, the tablecloth was yellow and green. And mother said, your father's died, go out and play. We never mentioned that again for 60 years and so I had one of those issues that fathers were a bit strange to me and Pastor and has stepped in in many ways of being a father to me but it also left me unable and somewhat frustrated when people were talking Well, oh, God's my father and I knew he was my father because I mean it's what it says and I knew it in the guidebook. But a few years ago about four or five years ago we went to see a lady some of you may have heard of called Heidi Baker. Anyone heard of Heidi Baker? And I'd gone a bit kicking and screaming because I knew that she talked a lot about God being Father. And I knew that for some reasons that was still a very painful thing. One of the reasons was that we'd had people come into the church who were always talking about God being Father and saying things like, well, Jesus had his turn and now it's the Father's turn. And a guy called Oswald Chambers, anyone remember Oswald Chambers? You know, he, reading him, he was saying, you know, one of the issues the church has to be careful of is getting too excited about God being Father. And when I looked at why he said that was that at the time he was writing, people were beginning to declare that God is the father of mankind and writing pretty songs like that. God is not the father of mankind. Is that all right? He is the maker and the creator, but he becomes your father when you become his son. Amen? And so I'd struggled with this, but I went to see this woman. And it was a very special service for me because, first of all, somebody stood up and began to speak about, and this, this was someone from, the, from a particular church group, and he said, I'm just beginning to see that without Jesus, we don't have a father. <laughs> Amen. It was really good and I'm I'm reading afterwards and I'm sitting in a a, a coffee bar. Sharon was going to be there in about an hour and I, I was just waiting for her and I was reading a book by Heidi Baker and she spoke and she wrote about walking through the streets in Mozambique and there was a woman there in rags and she was dirty. She said that she was blind. And Heidi Baker went up to her and asked her her name. And the woman said, I don't have a name. You know. And Heidi Baker said that she began, to, she said, I'm going to call you I exist in the foreign in the Mozambique language and said, this is your name. And the woman smiled. She said, no teeth or anything. And you know, someone I just wouldn't want to go anywhere near. But Heidi Baker said my heart just went out to her. I grabbed hold of her. She held her for an hour. And at the end of that hour her eyes, which were just white, suddenly became proper and sore again. And I'm thinking, this woman is talking about Father. She's full of love, so much so that she's touching people that I wouldn't want to touch. Yet God's love was going through her. I kept on reading and I read there of a missionary couple that went to Africa and one night some bandits came into the house. They, the guy was tied up and kept to one side while they took his wife into the other room He's praying, Lord, protect her. They raped her. But this woman said, afterwards, all I could do was keep telling them that God loved them. God loved them. All the way through, she was just telling them how much God loved them. And I'm sitting there, and I am weeping in the coffee bar because I'm thinking I don't know my father enough to feel like I could go to the person in the dirt and show them his love I certainly didn't think I knew my father enough that I could go and be in a situation I could not even imagine a situation and be telling people who were abusing me how much God loves them I realized I didn't know my father very well at all. Because he loved me, because he loved the world so much. He gave Jesus who died for me. He loves me so much. Am I ready to give myself for those who I don't like very much? who aren't like me, who don't do what I do. He gave his son for me. I'll tell you what effect this had on us. Because that day we were just on our way to a town of Reading. Because we'd heard there was something special going on there. And we went and we went to this meeting and it was actually like a renewal meeting. And we felt the presence of the Father's love. And the next day, we went with those people on the streets sharing the fact that God loved the people we were talking to. We'd go up to people and say, God loves you. And we saw their hearts melting And for the last two or three years, we've been spending time coming together in the presence of God, recognizing the Father's love for us, being filled with that love, and finding ourselves able to go on the streets and just tell people God loves them. You know, if we try to do stuff on our own, try to do it in our own way, in our own strength, in our own righteousness, It's very nice. But you know what? If we come to meet our Father, come to spend time in his presence, what will happen is that when we go out, it's not us, it's him. When you touch communities that you've never touched before, You won't be saying, oh, it's them that live over there. You'll be saying, they are people that need to know and come to know God to be their father. They are people that need to see his power. They're people that need to see his love. They're people that need to see him. Because what is it? It is the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Amen. We are so excited about what's going on in this house as a hand, a fresh hand is going out to those in need. Not because, oh, it's a really nice thing to do. Because it's the love of God in our hearts that is stretching out to meet the community. Back in that house, when this had touched me, I just saw myself entering a room with Father on it. And I opened that door in the spirit and I stepped in. And it was so full of light because he is the Father of light. There is no shadow in him. You know, that light is just an amazing sense of love. Do you know that love of coming close to the Father? Coming close to Him. Having His arms out towards you. And there is a figure. When I, I, my, In my spirit, I was in that room. And there was a figure there. And it was Jesus. His arms out towards us. Stepping in, overwhelmed, full of love. John 1, 1 John 3, 1 tells us to look at the wonder, at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he's lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Amen. Amen. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us so much. Oh, do you sense that love? God is so, so good. In 1 John chapter 2, it tells us about that relationship the Father's relationship with us. Oh, wasn't it beautiful today to see the little Vogler, to see the little Niedermeyer. It was such joy. You know. To see the dads holding the little ones, protecting them and guarding them, caring for them, Our daddy does that to us. It tells us in 1 John 2 about how he takes the little children and looks after them and cares for them. He did that for you and me. Amen. Oh, yesterday I had the absolute joy of Sharon was teaching and so I can get out the way. And Sister Carrie brought in the little one. No, the bigger one. And uh, she needed to do something. So, oh, give me here. Give me here. So I sat down and we were playing and we were having a great time. And then I actually passed away and came up and said, Brother John, I need to talk to you. So I I stood up and went to talk to him. And when I came back, she wouldn't talk to me anymore. (laughs) You know why? Because she felt like I'd abandoned her. My daddy in heaven never abandons me amen he never runs off when we have those little ones i've got we've got eight grandchildren now isn't that amazing and when the the little ones are sort of twos and threes you know they get up to mischief and you have to just keep keeping your eye on them because you you can't just hold them all the time they get they want to be doing stuff When we grew to be twos and threes in the Lord, you know what? He was always watching over us, caring for us. We have a number of issues within the church where where parents are finding that their children are bullied at school. And the parent's desperate to do things. Because parents want to guard their kids. I mean, who's... Come on. Whose kids have had trouble... And you've been ready to go and beat up the other people's parents. Yeah? Oh, that's only me. I wish I hadn't said that one. Yeah. So in 1 John chapter 2, he speaks about the babies and he speaks about the, the next ones. The growing up ones. But when Jesus was 12 years old, do you know what? He said, I, didn't you know what I'd just be about my father's business? When we begin to grow up, actually, we want to be about the father's business. We want to be doing what we need to be doing. It tells us in Psalm 108, through our God we will do valiantly, for it's he who shall tread down our enemies. Amen. We can be victorious in him. And in 1 John chapter 2, it begins to talk about the the children growing up into be men, young men, young women who are valiant. Amen. God is so good. He is looking to see us to come into the fullness of our inheritance. He has given us that inheritance and he is looking for us to be full of him. He has given us everything it takes for life and godliness. Not a bit, not a half, but everything. Our responsibility is to be growing up in him, bringing him, all he's given us, into us. Then it talks about, I write to you fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. Amen. We never grow out of being God's children. Here in the West, and it's the same in America, I guess, that you get to 18, you go to university. And you're not really expected to come home again. You know, yes, you come home for visitors, but after you get to that age, you become a visitor when you come home. Is that, does that make You know, because you're expected to leave the house and begin your own family. That is not the Eastern way. In Saudi Arabia, they, there's one of the few monarchies left in the world. And they have a king. And I think he has 7,000 princes. And this this is the funniest bit about this. You know, this ancient land of Saudi Arabia. Do you know it was only formed in 1932? It isn't even 100 years old when we think about all oh, these old nations. But if you want any position of authority... In the land, you better be one of the princes. You have no hope of having any kind of role unless you're part of the family. You know what? In God's kingdom, we're family. He is calling us to be his ambassadors. He's calling us to be his spokesman. He's calling us because he's the king and we're family. Because he's father. Amen? Amen? Isn't that amazing? In the Hebrew, there's a word for God, Father, and then there's a word for sons and daughters. And that word Father speaks about strength and house. The word for sons and daughters speaks about builders of the house. Amen? That's what we're here for. We're here to be builders of the Father's house. Amen? And a Bedouin tent, there's a few throwaway thoughts really. Hope you like them. You know, a Bedouin doesn't buy a new tent every year. A Bedouin tent is made out of panels and each year they take off one of the panels which has been on the top which has had the sun on it and they replace that at the bottom end and they move the panels round one. So a new panel takes a place on the top. Amen? Because the house is maintained from generation to generation. The vision of the house is maintained from generation to generation because each one of the generations understands that they're part of the Father's house. It's not their house, it is the Father's house. Amen? The purpose of the house, the purpose of the house is for the kingdom not for the individual. We live for kingdom. We live to display the kingdom attributes. And when we get to know Father, when we spend time with Father, we begin to see kingdom, 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 kingdom. Kingdom love that pours out. 1 John 5, verse 20. And I think I'm probably, I I have this thing that I never bothered writing down which translation I'm taking it for. So I'm thinking, I wonder, I suspect, there's a version that we use a lot in England called The Truth. I don't know if anyone's ever seen The Truth. Uh, It is an amazing New Testament translation by a brother that we respect incredibly, Colin Urquhart. And it is beautifully put in in English, of course, so you may not be able to understand it because it's not an American. Um, But it's just, it captures in words that we understand without being silly. We know that the, the Son of God has made our understanding come alive so that we can know by experience the one who is true. We are in him who is true, God's son, Jesus Christ. The true God and eternal life. Amen. Father has given us all we need for life and godliness. He has given us Jesus. Jesus lives in us. He has released the nature of Jesus into us. Isn't that amazing? He's done it. He's put his life in us. The Father loves you enough to put Jesus' nature into you. Not part of it, not a quarter of it, not a tenth of it, all of him. Because you are in him and he is in you. Amen? Amen? The issue becomes, are we going to stay sitting on the step, reading the guidebook, or are we going to go and enter into his presence? Are we willing to let his presence enter into us? Are we willing to surrender our stuff, our opinion, our hurts and say, I'm coming to you, Father, because your kingdom is what matters. We pray your kingdom come, but that's always going to mean that our kingdom goes. When we surrender, he wants to just infill us, to change us, to see us transformed, so that the love of Christ is reaching from us to those around. As I said, when we spend time together experiencing that love, we can go out with a power that touches people's hearts. Amen. We have a full inheritance, complete inheritance. I'm going to encourage you to go and explore those doors. Go into those names and see who the Father is, who the Lord is. But I'm sensing today there are people here that just want to actually come and say, I just need to know. I need to become a child of God. I need to know that love. I need to know his love. I hear about it. I see about it. But I need it inside. If there is anyone here. That you feel like I know all about God. But I really, I need to know him. Just raise up your hand right now. Amen. I need to know you more. Anyone who's just sensing that. I just need to understand, to to sense his love in a deeper way. I need to get hold of breaking through of what what I think he is to meet who he really is just express it right now thank you thank you let's just stand oh father father i thank you that you have taken our guilt and our shame For those who just raised up their hands, we just come and we agree with you. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way that I've tried to run my life, my way. I surrender it. I repent of my insistence and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And his word says, Believe and receive the Holy Spirit. The very first day of Jesus' resurrection, he met the disciples and he breathed on them saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, Calling on him, repenting, saying, I need you, God. He's breathing in his life into you right now. He's breathing life into you. Let his breath come into you. Let his breath overwhelm you. Let his breath meet you, change you. Because do you know what? If you, when you call on his name, your spirit that was dead has come to life and you have received the fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Life. Life. Amen.